0: What a good God we have, amen? Amen. It's awesome just listening to our worship and what we're offering to God in this room. And before I came down here, I was helping uh, the children. They were starting this new worship, and it was really loud. And uh, it probably won't be as loud next week with the volume controls. But hearing them and seeing them dance and seeing the joy uh, that we emit when we worship God is Truly wonderful. God gives us such wonderful joy when we experience Him. But we can't forget about the other times in our lives, the times where we feel broken or the times where we feel lost. And that's why we're in this series. It's why we're talking about an emotional roller coaster. Because some of us are up at the top experiencing the joy of the Lord and loving life, but some of us are on the way down or at the bottom or at the way up, because we're broken people in a broken world. We experience all these different types of emotion, and wherever you're at, know that God is with you on that roller coaster. And today, as we continue to talk about these things, and we talk about where God is and where we're at, remember that he's with you. Today we're talking about gluttony, something that is not talked about a lot. But this first verse we're about to read in Corinthians, I love how it describes what our body is. So listen to what Paul has to say. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? We're temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own you were bought at a price, a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are a temple that owns the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside us. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are not our own. Our bodies are not ours. The bodies are God's. We are bodies. Our lives were bought at a price, and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, and we go to look at Galatians, which is our next scripture, and it talks about what the fruit of the Spirit are. What the Spirit lives off of, and it says in it it says there's no law against these. And in Galatians, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I hope today as, as you read these scriptures and you hear the words that God has for you That you understand the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you and wants to live with you and go with you wherever you're at on the emotional roller coaster. The Holy Spirit is with you today. Let us join together in prayer and welcome into the space. God, we, we know that in this place and outside of this place and wherever there are broken people, there's brokenness there's tiredness, there's selfishness. God, we just ask that you, that you dwell with us, that we can be temples of the Holy Spirit, that we can live for you. God, we are so thankful for this church. We are so thankful for the people that are sitting in these chairs, for the leadership. And God, we are Most of all, thankful for our senior pastor, our pastor Mike Morgan, for doing everything for you, for living a life that is a sacrifice to you. And God, we know that he is your temple for the Holy Spirit. And as he comes up to speak words into our hearts and to speak the word that is your word, we ask that you are with him, that you guide him, that you speak the words that you need to be said in this place because we feel you. We are here for you, and we are here to bring worship to you, God. We are here to offer ourselves. So be with Mike as he walks and he delivers your word into the hearts and the souls that are not only in this room, but that are watching online, that are hearing these words. Holy Spirit, be here. Jesus, we need you. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Hey, uh, you know, probably the best pastor ever, right? Going to preach a sermon on gluttony today, and we had cake and cookies this morning. <laughs> I, I, told the, I told the first group, I said, hey, one of the scriptures about self-control. It's a test. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play as well as I thought it would. Um, so a sermon on gluttony. I was met a couple weeks ago when, when the themes came out by one of our guys, one, one, one of you all. I said, preacher, I've been coming to church for a long time, and I have never, ever heard a sermon on gluttony. Why do you have to preach it now? And I told him, I said, you know, because we all need to give some time to this all-encompassing problem. Gluttony is a big deal. And he said, look, I'm not fat. I don't have a problem with gluttony. I said, you sure? Come back. Take a listen and see if you're right. So stay tuned. If you don't think you have a problem with gluttony, Come along with me. Gluttony is one of the seven deadly mortal or capital sins, depending on how you look there. And we tend to put it in a pipe. We tend to focus it in, in a very limited focus. We tend to look at it in one way. My friend Mike James used to say at the end of our uh, summer games meetings, we'd be in Grinnell, and there was a beautiful brand-new pizza ranch outside of town. And at the end of our meeting, he'd say, Okay, let's all go make some bad food choices for a long time. And we did, because that's what happens when you get to a place like that, right? I'd have never known anybody to go to a buffet and say, well, I'll just have one piece of pizza and no dessert and just salad. I was reading a story about this couple that used to go to a diner all the time. They loved their old diner, been going there for years. But there was a new sign on the old diner on the window. It said this, we specialize in meals that leave you bloated, lethargic, and lead to self-loathing. The husband looked at it and said to his wife, you know, I liked it a lot better when it said we specialize in comfort food. (laughs) You know, but it's like that. United Methodist Bishop William Willimon tells us about the original or the origin of the sin of gluttony and where it came from. You know, the early Christian fathers, for the most part, lived in the Middle East. And in the Middle East, in, in the areas where a lot of monasteries were and stuff like that, it was pretty Spartan out there. Not a lot of places that grew food. Not a lot of food out there. So one of the natural temptations of a lot of the early Christian fathers was food, which is their way of saying, we're hungry all the time. So they would sometimes get focused on food, and then it extrapolates when you get into the time of of Augustine and some of those that that the sin of gluttony was about those who had too much not giving it to those who had need. And if you look back and you remember from your history uh, lessons that most One of the great signs of wealth, you know, a thousand and a half years ago or more, was to be overweight because it showed to people that you had excess. You had more than what you needed. Now, throughout the centuries, the sin of gluttony has been understood in different ways, but it's always in the context of overindulgence or excessive indulgence. 1 Corinthians uh, 10 says this, whether you eat or drink, now look at the next part, or whatsoever you do, broadening the definition, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. There is an appropriate target for our behavior. Behavior, according to the scriptures, is related to the spiritual. What we do is related to our relationship with God. So when we start talking about excessive indulgence in whatever it is, we understand that that's related to God. Gluttony comes from the Latin word translated to gulp down. We might say scarfing it down. Just shoving it in. Excessive indulgence, what, whatever it is. And for sure, eating in our generation is a problem. In our culture, eating is a problem. There, there is the prevalence of the buffet everywhere, right? And I will tell you this, the buffets are not known for delicious delicacies. They are not known for their thoughtful menu items. They're known for volume food, not measured portions and thoughtful consumption. You know, I I remember when Mark and I were younger, and he's still fit, but I not so much. I remember we were walking into an all-you-can-eat place. And the owner was standing at the door, and he looked at the Morgan brothers coming at him towards his buffet, and they said, hey, face it, we gambled, we lost, right? <laughs> it's the way it goes sometimes. But, but we, we have the ability to eat, and not even all these good things. I had this friend named John. I'll, I'll, I'll flesh him out. He lives in South Dakota. John, John McKnight, my friend, pastor friend in South Dakota, he loves the McRib. I know, <laughs> First of all, it's not even a rib. Not even sure it's pork, right? I mean, I've never had a rib that you just pull apart and you break it right in half. Those bones aren't really bones, right? But but John loves the McRib. So every year when it starts coming to Rapid City, you'll get on Facebook and all the other places that can ping you. Seven days to five days, three days Tell the McRib. You know, all these happy faces and explosions going on. And I'm like, no. Just no. I don't know what it is. It's not... It's not ribs, but we get obsessed with stuff. We we get and and, and John, ha, ha, he used to be a big boy and now he's not. And he still will go and like he'll he says I bought twelve today. And he keeps them for a long time because he used to be he used to be able to eat twelve, but he can't anymore. And so like at the end of when McRib is in, he usually has somewhere between four and six dozens stored up. I know. we got to pray for him. <laughs> but we do know this, too. Obesity is a huge health crisis in the USA. And while not all of it comes from excessive eating, excessive indulgence, a great deal of it does. It comes from overdoing it. It becomes from misusing our forks so bad and, and gulping it or scarfing it down. And what's interesting is when you look at research, psychological research, emotional research, Research says that gluttony is an attempt to fill an inner abyss that, that is controlling our whole existence, which is to say that sometimes people will, will eat because things are going wrong, and so they say, well, at least, you know, I'm talking about, um, you know, like inside your mind, psychologically, at least I can do this right. I can, I can be victorious in, in, in eating that piece of Bishop's chocolate pie or wow that's a reference from the past but um, you, you know what I'm saying but the, and, and we do that with other things too we can excessively indulge in things because it, it comes there, um, there was a blog this week I'm going to call it an online random Christian blog and it's not called the random Christian blog it's that Pastor Mike likes to source what he did and I forgot the person's name so we're going to call it random okay but it said this there was a response to the article that was written about gluttony by a, a person that, that wrote back and said, Well, gluttony doesn't apply to me. I'm a foodie who is very conscious of how healthy my food is. The response back to him was, Still, you may be a glutton. And it's like, What? what? And let's be careful about this because, you know, just because you're eating kale all the time. Which, by the way, millennials, now, yeah, I'm coming over here to talk to you people. I need you to be honest with me. When, when people say we're having kale, is that really like code word for weed? Is that, are you sure? Yeah. I pick on the millennials because, you know, I love them so much. But, but here's the response that the original author of the blog said. He wrote this. He says, You may be eating perfect for the body meals, consisting of the correct ingredients, and consume them in spectacularly appropriate portions and still be a glutton because your excessive attention to the food has distracted you from God. I thought that was fantastic. Because the true danger of gluttony is not that it will lead to a flabby waistline, but that it will lead to a flabby soul person does not have to be a food to have a food problem to be trapped in the all-consuming sin of gluttony. From a Christian perspective, gluttony applies much more broadly. Broadly stated, Gluttony is a thing of beauty that's been spoiled. Something that was really good and, and our normal drive for it, our normal instinct for it starts running rampant. This is, can be from food to exercise to sexual activity to all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, Gluttony, w- which means excessive indulgence, even in good things or fun things can h- be a huge problem. You can watch your favorite show and it's really fun and you can enjoy it. But it's a problem when you binge watch 18 of them in a row. And don't eat or drink or pay attention to your children. It's a wonderful thing to have a thin mint. Right, men? Okay, I would bet that 80% of the men have done this. They've opened a sleeve of thin mints and said, I'm going to have two or three. And two hours later, the whole sleeve was gone. Can I get an amen? Am I talking to my people? All right. And we know for a fact that, okay, two or three are good because we support the Girl Scouts of America. It's just American to buy those cookies. That's a good thing. But to eat them all in one time, we know that's not bad. You know, some of you really enjoy a glass of wine, and that's okay. It is a fun and a good thing, but not eight, you know, in the same sitting. Exercising is a great thing. It's a fun and natural drive. But if you start spending half your day at the gym, and setting aside some of your other responsibilities, you're, you're excessively indulging in it. And, and, and if you gorge on, on, on Facebook or, or Snapchat or Twitter late into the night, rather than good, a good night of sleep, sleep that will prepare you for the next day, those good things excessively indulged in are gluttonous. Excessive indulgence can be ruinous because it starves our souls. We turn to Netflix instead of turning to prayer. We check Facebook instead of checking scripture. We eat a donut instead of seeking the bread of life. We fill our lives in that with activities in order to avoid filling our time with the things and the thoughts of God and his holy word. Excessive indulgence, aka also known as gluttony, And you need to insert your indulgence here because I'm not letting you people off that just are gluttonous of Facebook. I'm not letting you people off that are gluttonous of exercise. Not letting you off that are gluttonous of talking on the phone or whatever it is you know. Excessive indulgence, that is gluttony, of your indulgence, kills us spiritually. Softly. Daily. Moment by moment. And scripture reminds us to reconnect the physical with the spiritual. Kelsey read a few moments ago, 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? We really need to drink that in a little bit. Do you not know? And sometimes we're like, "Mm, no, we don't. There's probably not a soul here that hasn't done something wrong to their body. Do you not know? and, And that includes the thoughts you put through it. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you? The residence of the Holy Spirit, according to him, is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If we, if we can't get our mind around the rest of the thing, we need to use the bag of bones that God has given with us, given to us for the period of time in which we have to, to exist on this earth to honor God. There's a million different ways to do it, and I encourage you to pursue it, and it probably begins for some of us, certainly for me, with the cleansing of the temple. If this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, what do I need to cleanse out of it? Well, what do I need to to shove out so the spirit that resides within me has the room to do the work that it would love to do in me? Well, what is it in your life that you have to cleanse the temple of your body and your spirit and your mind that will give you room for the Holy Spirit to work in you. We, we, we need to do that and we need to be attentive to the fact, the simple fact, that our bodies were given to us as a vessel through which the Holy Spirit can do His work in the world. He doesn't have a second plan. The whole plan is the church and the people of God to, to allow their bodies to be used in the things we say, the things we do, the places we show up to be vessels for the spiritual work of God and when we are distracting ourselves from that, our physical, emotional, and spiritual health is stunted. When we're indulging in something excessively, we stunt our spiritual, physical, and emotional growth. When we focus on right habits, which often require the reduction of our indulgence, we are drawn to better relationships with God. That's where we're heading for. You know, I'm a preacher, not a motivational speaker. We're drawing ourselves towards better relationship with God, which is why we read Galatians 5 uh, here earlier today. Kelsey did. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That was the test, cake and, and cookies at the same time. Self-control. But it's beyond that. Get the joke that Paul tells in Scripture here. He says all the good things we're supposed to be doing, and then he says, as we used to say in junior high, well, there's no law against it. Against such things there is no law. There is no law against doing good things, about doing the right things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have been crucified to the flesh and its passionate desires. That's the stuff that draws us away from God. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us march with the Spirit that marches for us. Let's march beside him on the sojourn of life. Self-control is a fruit of God's Spirit working in the temple of our bodies. And we need to embrace it. A little bit about self-control. I want to show you a quote. Discipline in one area overflows into other areas of your life. Um, Pete Qualichek was a friend of mine, uh, workout partner back in the mid-80s. Pete was an alter, alternate on the uh, Olympic decathlete. He was an Olympic decathlete, so, you know, a stud, uh, for our U.S. Olympic team. He spent his whole life, and you might have heard me say something about him before, his whole life working with people's health and fitness. And what he says, because he's a Christian guy, is he says you have to remember that, that if you start working out, you are naturally, because you start feeling the good effects of that, going to want to start eating a little bit more healthy. And if you start, for instance, a discipline of praying every day, you are naturally going to want to step into studying the Bible a little bit more. You're going to naturally want to step into being a little bit more altruistic and sharing Uh, giving to people you're going to naturally want to do so so one discipline in one life overflows and the same is true if you've ever worked out for a while and some of you are are already needing to to repent of your behavior since your new year's resolutions right you said i'm going to get in shape and you started to feel better but on the way home you said that was a great workout let's run through the drive-in and get a whatever you know and then you start feeling bad again because because when because when disciplines start running, flowing into others, you start getting improvement. You start growing the right way. But when you start distracting yourself from that, of course, the gains are lost. And so as a pastor, you know, I stand in front of you, like very simplistically telling you, when we build habits in prayer, obviously habits in Bible study will follow, and scriptural discernment will follow. When, when we get some scriptural discernment going on, then obviously seeking God in the, in the areas of which we live in our lives will grow and we will start doing more good for others because discipline in this area of our life overflows into the other areas of our life. So when the scripture says, keep in step with the Spirit, it means grow away from your indulgences, but it's not just a don't, uh, just say no thing. It's grow away from this, but grow towards that. Grow, grow away from your excessive indulgences, but grow towards that which is better for you and everyone around us. Now, a simple solution for gluttony, for, 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 for excessive indulgence. And remember this, that um, anybody ever says you have a simple solution to this means it's really easy to say but really hard to do, right? This is really simple to understand. Change what you're hungry for. Okay, good night, everyone. Change what you're hungry for. It is a scientific fact that our physical hungers can be changed. 837 French adults that admitted to a survey that said they had a significant sweet tooth where they craved sugar 1 to 20 times a day. They craved sugar a lot, sweet things. The French have some sweet things, you know. And and they craved it and they took part in a study that was designed To help them change their hungers. And within 90 days, all but two of them, out of 837 adults, all but two of them's cravings, what they were hungry for, was changed from candy and pastries and all that kind of stuff to apples and vegetables. All but two of them. All but two of them. They were able to change their hungers, and in 90 days, you know, you've got a habit, and it's hard to reverse that. You have to go through almost as much to reverse it. So, so you see, we can change our hungers, but it takes some help, maybe from each other. It takes some help. That's why we have all these groups around here. It takes some help. That's why we have different ministries around here, and it takes some help. But you getting on your knees and, and saying, God, <laughs> I know it's easy to say I need to change my appetites. Help me. Help me for 90 days. Help me for 30 days. Help me today. Because it's one day at a time. And a lot of you know that. There's a spiritual appetu- opportunity in front of you to change your appetite from satisfying yourself to glorifying God with your whole person. And I hope you take it. Because one thing about that, if you, if you change your appetite from satisfying yourself to glorifying God with your whole spirit, you're never needing to fear getting over overfull. You never need to fear that. You can gorge yourself on God and his gospel, and you are never going to overindulge. This is the word of God that that the Lord has put on me uh, to share with you today. Will you pray with me? God, most of us have three prayers. We pray. We say help. Help God, we're in the midst of a struggle. Help God, we we need you to rush to us. help, God. We can't handle this on our own. And so, Lord, we, we pray help. Help change the appetites that we have that cause us to excessively, excessively indulge in that which is not useful to our spiritual growth or our physical health or emotional lives. And a second prayer, God, that we all have is please. Please, 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 Lord, give us the strength To change our appetites. Please give us the fact and understanding. That you walk with us on this sojourn of life. And no matter what we're with. Or up against or in. There you are with us. It is an undefeatable bond. It is unbreakable. You are there beside us. And of course the third prayer we all know Lord. Is thank you. Thank you in advance. For moving us towards that. Which we need to be moved towards. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you God. That you are you. We are not, and you have all things, including us, and the beloved to us in your hands. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.